let you guess something about me. Uh, what do you guess is my favorite church in the world? Any guesses? Okay. What I'm talking about is a specific local church. Any guesses? Yes? What do you think? Oh, what a great guess! Ten points for that lady. Um, you guys, I have been a part of this church since 1989, and I just cannot imagine my life without this church. This church blows my mind consistently. The people of this church continue to just amaze me, the way that God works in people and the way that God assaulted the whole earth through this church. Listen, um, there's no way. That he was talking about the new membership meeting and, and learning the history of, the, of Grace Fellowship. There is no way you can hear that story and, and want to give glory to anybody except God because God has done amazing things. I am just thrilled beyond belief to be a part of this church. VBS was just another example of this. Um, I've never seen a church that gets behind VBS and does the kind of commitment that this church does and lives get changed because of it. And we just see it again and again and again. But if I had to pick a church that is my second favorite church of all time, if I had to pick a local church, you're going to write this down like, hey, maybe it's closer to my home. I'll try it. Um, <laughs> if I had to pick another church, I would pick the Church of Antioch. The Church of Antioch we hear about in Acts chapter 13. So I'm going to ask you to just turn there in your New Testament to the book of Acts. And Acts is the fifth book in the New Testament right after John. So go to Acts chapter 13. Let me give you a second to get there. And I'm really not going to be preaching this morning. I'm just going to be laying some foundation, and then we're going to be hearing from some others. But I want to lay this foundation from Acts chapter 13, okay? So hopefully you're there by now. Acts chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. Now there were at Antioch, in the church that was there, prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. It's the simple passage. You have this group of people in a city called Antioch. It's just a local church. They're having a prayer meeting, a worship service of some sort. They're worshiping, they're praying, and during that time, the Lord begins to speak to some of their leaders, and He gives them this message. Before we tear that apart, though, I want you to notice a couple things. I'll just tell you the truth. As I've been trying to lead this church over the last 27, 28 years, as I've been trying to lead this church, uh, this is the picture I've always had in mind, the Church of Antioch. This is the picture I have in mind when I think about, as I dream dreams about Grace Fellowship, Grace Fellowship at its best, what would it look like? And the Church of Antioch always comes to my mind. And here's part of the reason. If you look at verse 1 of chapter 13, it says, there were at Antioch in the church that was there, prophets and teachers. These are the leaders, the elders of the church, right? And, and it gives the names of some of these guys, Barnabas and Simeon, who is called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene. And Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. Now, it's just giving us a list of names, and we might just read through it and go, oh no, another list of names in the Bible, just got to get past it to the meat of the passage. But don't miss what's in this list of names. First of all, it tells us about a guy named Barnabas. Now, Barnabas is one of the godliest men who ever lived. 
Barnabas is so spiritually mature, if you read the book of Acts, you'll find that Barnabas is the guy who discipled the apostle Paul. He's the guy that took Paul under his wing and said, no, no, you've got your doctrine wrong on that. Let me explain it to you. Okay? This is a guy of incredible wisdom and strength and spiritual maturity, and he's one of the leaders at this church in Antioch. And also there's a guy named Simeon, and Simeon is called Niger. And the word Niger simply means black. This is important because there's incredible diversity in this church. Simeon is African. And we, we see this church in the Middle East where you have this guy, Barnabas, who is a Jew, and Simeon, who is African, a black guy, and you have this guy named Lucius of Cyrene, who is a Gentile from another um, part of that, that area, and Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. Saul, by the way, is the guy who has his name changed later and becomes Paul the Apostle. Okay? So you have Saul and Barnabas, those are a couple of Jews. You have Niger, who's an African black man. You have Lucius, who is a Gentile from another area called Cyrene. And you have this guy named Menaean. Now, who is Menaean? All we know about Menaean, it's the only time we see him in the whole Bible. Here's what we know about him. He was best buddies with this guy named Herod when they were kids. They were brought up together. And who is Herod? The king. He was brought up in the palace. Okay, so this is a rich political guy and an African guy, two Jews and a Gentile from a foreign country, and they are the elder board of the church of Antioch. Is that incredible? It may not seem incredible to us in Southern California where we look around today and you go, oh, I see people of different races, different Asians, different backgrounds and all that kind of stuff. Seems like not that big a deal to us in Southern California. This is the Middle East. This is the beginning of the church, which they originally thought was only for Jews. And you have this mixture of guys who are the key leaders of this church. It's a beautiful picture because it's a picture, I think, of what it's going to be like in heaven. Because if you're one of those people who thinks, you know, I just like to worship with people who look like me and come from where I came from and they're about my age and they think like I think, they like the music that I like and they like the movies that I like and they have the background that I have and all that kind of stuff, that's the people I want in my church. Then I suggest you think about skipping heaven because heaven ain't going to be like that. Heaven is going to be filled with people, every nation, every, tri every tribe, and every tongue. There's going to be people who voted for someone different than you voted for. <gasps> I know, shocking, right? So you better get used to it. So watch what you're saying on Facebook. Don't make them mad. You're going to spend eternity with them, okay? That's what the church at Antioch looks like. They've given leadership to these guys, okay? That impresses me. But then it goes on in verse 2, it says, While they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. They're ministering to the Lord. I've just always found that to be a funny sentence. Ministering to the Lord. How do you minister to the Lord? I mean, we minister to the homeless. We minister to the hungry. We minister to people who need counseling. We minister to the needy. How do you minister to the Lord? We know how to minister to the Lord. We just finished doing it. They're talking about worship. They're you know, if, if the way that you think of worship is, if, if I was to ask you today, hey, how was the worship? 
and, and your, your filter goes, let's see, what songs did we sing, and was the sermon any good, and did the air conditioning work, and did I like the, the band? If that's what you're thinking when, you're, when you think, how was the worship, you don't understand worship. Worship is about what he gets out of it. Worship is about us leaving a gift for God. We minister to God when we worship whether it's worship in song or even in our giving or in our prayer or in our private lives, in our prayer closets, wherever it is. When we're worshiping God, we're ministering to Him. So there's a worship service going on. They're ministering to the Lord. They've been fasting and seeking God's face. And in that, in that process, God speaks to them. And He says very clearly through one of the prophets, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And then if you look at verse 3, it says, And so they formed a committee and discussed the possibilities of who they might send out since they didn't want to send Saul or Barnabas. Is that what it says in verse 3? No, that's not what it says. Here's what it says. Then when they had fasted and prayed and laid, hand, laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Isn't that weird? Like God says, do this, and they did it. <laughs> that's weird. Imagine that. God says, do this. You go, well, yeah, why wouldn't they do it? Guys, this is Barnabas and Paul. These are two of the most influential men of God who will ever walk the earth. They're the most godly, the most spiritually mature. They're the most learned. They're the most gifted teachers. They're the people that God has just placed his hand on and is using them in amazing ways. When they pray over people, miracles take place. That's who we're talking about here, Paul and Barnabas. Now, out of this whole group, God says, I want you to send Paul and Barnabas. And I, I keep trying to figure out how, could we, what, how would we even compare this. I'm just thinking, it's like you're in a local church and your senior pastor is Billy Graham and the youth pastor is like, John MacArthur, and God says, send them out. And here's what we would do. We would make a committee, and we would have a discussion, and we would talk each other out of it, and we would say, why would you send the two best guys? Let's do this. Here's what we do in churches. We raise up young preacher boys, and we give them two or three chances to preach and get some, uh, get some experience under their belt, and we send those guys out, and we save the good guys because we want them at our church. That's what we do in the church. And the church of Antioch said, no, nope, that's not how we're doing this. God said, send your best, and they sent their best. That's an impressive picture. To be able to say, we exist not for a little kingdom called our church, but we exist for the greater kingdom of God. And, and then you take your Bible, you go, oh, look, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Thessalonians, all of these are churches that were founded by Paul and Barnabas as they went out on this trip that they sent them out on because God called them. The whole world is transformed. You say, is it because of Paul? No, it's because the church of Antioch said yes to God. Now, I'm telling you all of this because this is my model. I believe that Grace Fellowship is supposed to be a church that just like this is uh, welcoming to everyone in our community that sees everybody as being of equal value and isn't like uh, racially segregated or segregated by age or political parties or any of the other things that separates people in the church and says, we are going to minister to God. We're going to make loving God our first priority and we are going to minister to God and worship God and when God speaks, we're going to obey. 
And when we open his word and he says, I want you to trust me, we're going to do it. And so as a church, that's what we have been about. Now, if you take your um, bulletin, hopefully you, you, you got a bulletin. Take out your bulletin. I want to show you something. In these bulletins, and this will never change. It doesn't. You see our bulletin design change from time to time, but always somewhere on the bulletin. In this case, it's on the back. Turn your bulletin over to the back, the note page. And above the note page, you will find our church's mission statement. And let me just read it to you. It says, our, our mission is to glorify God by continually striving to present every person complete in Christ through introducing people to Jesus, growing in Christian maturity, developing as ministers, and mobilizing for local and world missions. That's what we do as a church. That's it. Simple. We put it all over our, our materials so you won't forget. That's what we do. I don't know whose bulletin I stole, but it's mine now. Um, <laughs> So if you look at that mission statement, it boils down to what I call the four pillars. There are four basic things that it talks about. Evangelism, introducing people to Jesus, right? Discipleship, growing in our Christian maturity. Ministry, ministering to others. And missions, mobilizing for local and world missions. Those are the four things that we do. Evangelism, discipleship, ministry, and missions. If you want to know what Grace Fellowship is all about, you just figured it out. It's those four things, Okay. This summer, we've been talking, and we often talk about this, but we've really been emphasizing it this summer because so many of our people have been going out into the mission field this summer. And uh, this is not uncommon for us. We have people who are full-time in the mission field. We have people who go on longer-term trips. We have people who go on shorter-term trips. We financially support. We prayerfully support people in missions. You've met some of our missionary families who have come passing through this summer, and you got to hear what their ministry is all about. Um, we're into missions, and we believe we're supposed to be doing it, not just praying about it, not just writing a check, but we're supposed to. I have this vision that every, part, every person who is a part of Grace Fellowship will get their fingernails dirty with the dirt of missions, that we actually are doing it, okay? And, and we're going to learn today a little bit about how, what that looks like and how that works because there are a bunch of people in our church who have been gone this summer, uh, for various lengths of time. In fact, Bo and Mim are still gone. They're traveling. I think they're like getting on a plane. They're probably in the air right now. But, but I can speak from experience and tell you that just because they're on a plane right now doesn't mean they'll be here anytime soon. <laughs> it is a long, long, long trip from where they're coming from in Africa. But, um, but uh, they'll be back next week. And in a couple weeks, you'll be hearing from them and from me about our time in Africa this summer. Um, but I also want you to hear from some other people who were in the mission field this summer, and I want you to get a glimpse of what God is doing. So I want to begin with Ed Baldwin, because Ed and Vicki Baldwin, as Ed comes forward and you cheer wildly for him, um, Ed and Vicki Baldwin, in addition to, um, just grab that microphone there, in addition to directing our children's ministry and investing in kids, um, they have a real heart for missions, and so every summer they're going off somewhere, and this summer... Um, as they have in the past few summers, just push that button up, there you go, um, they were at uh, Johnny and Friends Family Camp, which is a family camp that works with families that have uh, disabled members, and so I asked Ed if he would come and just give us a little short glimpse of what they were doing this summer and what God did, so take it away, Ed. Okay, first of all, go to the Johnny and Friends Family Camp, you have no idea 
what you're going to get. You don't know the family. You don't know the circumstances. All you need to be is available. And I'm so thankful. Thankful that we have this opportunity to be able to be available and just see God at work. I could just go to family camp and I could just sit back and just watch. Watch and see what God is doing in the midst of, of these families. Now, earlier on, um, well, first of all, let me, let me say this. I'm so thankful for the, the, the notes, the prayers. We got so many notes that each, each morning we had to make sure that we read all the notes because we wouldn't, by the end of the week, we would have notes we hadn't read. And somebody, somebody wrote a note and said, uh, uh, the joy of the Lord is your strength in, in their note. Well, that was the theme for the camp. And there was so much joy. There was so much joy in, this, in, the, in our midst. And we also talked about, and I'm, I remember asking people if they would be interested in going, and they said, well, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm, I don't have any experience. More than half of the short-term missionaries was their first time. First time they ever showed up. They showed up. 30% of the families was the first time they came. And when they come, they have no, no idea what's going to happen, nor do we. We just have to be available. And there were things that, that went on day in and day out. You know, we did the, the, the uh, Watch for God, God sightings. It was every, it was like every, every hour we saw something that God was doing. With my family, and, and again, I had, a, I, had ter I had a terrific family. There was a mom and a dad and and two aunts that came with their son who was 18 uh, with Down syndrome. And he is the sweetest kid. But I found out that he was just drawn to all these young STMs. So it gave me an opportunity to work with the, with the family. And I remember the mom, said, the mom said, thank you so much for spending the time with her husband. And we had some deep, deep theological discussions. And that's how God, God used us. I had no idea, no idea what to expect. But God did. God did. Vicki was with, she had a family uh, with four children, all under the age of four. There were three triplets. They were preemies, one of which was uh, uh, disabled. And she was working with other, other uh, young STMs. And I just sit back and watch her and see what God's going to do. So, I mean, it was just, and, and it turned out that they don't live that far from us. She sent him a text or an email and said, I'd like to babysit for you. They, they live in the Fullerton area. So we're trying to reach out to them because this is more than just a week. Yeah. These people need respite. And, and so she reached out to them and hopefully they'll say, yes, please, we need a break. And that's how God is, God is at work. So again, this is all about him. Yeah. It's all about him. So this coming um, next summer, we're going to do it long before summer. We're going to talk about when registration opens up, if anybody's interested. Um, I'll tell you what, it would be a week. Remember, for people that had the VBS here this week, you thought that was great? You check this out. You check this one out. It is just the same, if not better. Now, I don't know how that could happen, but it did. <laughs> so again. Uh, you're going to get some more information on this. It's a great opportunity. Yeah. And I know that you'll be blessed by it. So thank you. Amen. Thanks, Ed. Oh, and by the way, 
Oh, by the way, she's got pictures. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Ed. So what, what Ed was just saying is real important, okay? I actually want you to begin thinking and praying about this now because in the spring, you're going to be hearing from us and we're going to be talking about an opportunity to volunteer to get dirt under your fingernails and get out of your natural sphere of influence and go minister to somebody in Jesus' name. It's local, it's here in Southern California, it's affordable, and you are equipped to do it. If you are a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit in you, you're equipped to do it. So I just want to encourage you to begin thinking about this because I would like next year to send a large group to be a part of the support team at Johnny and Friends Camp, okay? Uh, now, uh, as Ed mentioned, we had two uh, church members who, were, who went all the way to the state of Missouri to do a, a camp for people with special needs as well. The situation was different and their, their assignments were different. It was Jordan Ritchie and Kimmy Spriggs and they, um, Jordan's not here because he's at another camp ministering to people this week. But uh, Kimmy's gonna come and share with us a little bit about what happened at Camp Barnabas in Missouri this summer. Hi, I'm sure y'all are tired of seeing me by now, so I'll keep this quick. Um, so yeah, Jordan and I, um, we went to Camp Barnabas, so it's cool that you were talking about Barnabas um, this morning, because it's named for Barnabas. Um, so yeah, Jordan has had quite the summer. He, the week before we went, we were there two weeks ago, um, he was like volunteering teaching at a Boy Scouts camp, and then he came home had like a day, and then left for Barnabas, came home, worked VBS, was a crew leader for VBS, and then right after VBS, went back and is working at another Boy Scouts camp. So uh, pray for energy for him, because he has had quite the summer. But let me interrupt there. That's what we're talking about. That here's a young man. He's off school for the summer. And he says, how can I serve people and serve the Lord? And so every week he's been doing that this summer. And God's just using him in powerful ways. And I'm sure if you asked him, he would go, yeah, I don't know what's so special about me. I don't have anything to offer. But he's available and willing. And so God's using him. So that's pretty awesome. Yay, Jordan. Yeah. Yay, Jordan. Um, so I have some pictures, like Ed said. Um, so that's our team. It was 25 of us. We were comprised of people um, all over California. I was one of the old people. Um, most of them were about 15 to 17. Um, but I don't know, some of you might know this. I was supposed to go on this trip for four years. This is fourth try. Um, and every year I ended up either getting sick or having surgery. And um, I've trained and registered to go on this trip many times. Uh, this is the first time I made it out there. But um, this is sort of a collection of us from all over California, um, somehow all connected to each other. And so we headed out to Camp Barnabas in Missouri. And one of the things that's interesting about this camp is you go with a group, but you don't work with your group while you're there. Um, you get assigned to individual campers. You guys don't really stay together. Every once in a while, you'll pass each other at an event and be like, oh, hey, I know you. Um, but you don't, you don't do a ton with your own group. Um, but if you see the next photo, this is our cabin photo. Um, there's a couple interesting things about it. First of all, there are four people from my mission team in this cabin. Um, secondly, this is a boy's cabin, <laughs> and I am not a boy. Um, uh, the one thing that Jordan and I were both talking a lot about is that this trip was, um, you know, we went through training, we went through all of this, um, this stuff of what to expect. Our most of our team had gone several times before. 
Um, so we were like, we, you know, prepared and ready. Um, I was supposed to work with a girl and that didn't happen because there were more male campers and more female missionaries. There were a few of us that um, got placed in male cabins and we just went and stayed in a counselor only cabin at night, but we were on call to go be with our camper. Um, and Jordan actually helped me out a ton because I couldn't, you know, help my camper change, help my camper shower, and he would um, help me out a lot with that. So it was awesome to be able to be in the same cabin as him because um, we weren't expecting that. Um, so this was our cabin. This was us on the last day. And as you can see, we just have such a wide range. We had the um, teenage autism cabin. They sort of arranged them by diagnosis and by age. Um, and so we had like the older teenage boys uh, with autism and different forms of autism. Uh, along with some other things, but they were seriously just like so joyful and such a light. Um, Jordan's camper is actually not, Jordan's up in the top corner with the blue bandana on his head, the really tall one, um, but his camper is not in the photo because his camper was a, a sweetheart, but a very strong-willed sweetheart. Uh, the first day he got out of his car on arrival and he sat down in the middle of the street and did not move the entire day. And eventually they got him to go to sleep in the middle of the street and they carried him inside to the cabin that he did not leave for the rest of the week. <laughs> so I thought I had an unexpected week. Uh, Jordan really just didn't do anything that he had trained for. He, was, he just spent one-on-one -on -one quality time loving his camper and just figuring out his camper was mostly nonverbal. Um, so he just found ways to just really love on his camper and communicate with him. And it was such a great experience um, for us to able, you know, to be a part of that. And then if you look at the next picture, um, this was just some of our boys in dining hall. That's Caleb on your guys' right. Um, he was my camper. Um, and there's just, these kids, you can tell, they're just happy to be there. Uh, Caleb had been there for eight years. So he was sort of like the big brother. He would like almost was a missionary. He would give us tips, show us around, take us shortcuts, because mm -hmm. um, he knew it way better than any of us did. Um, give us tips on the other campers. A lot of them, because of how they group them, had been um, like roommates before. So um, he was, you know, helping us out, giving us tips. He was very high functioning, um, but just a really sweet kid. And it was amazing to be able to see all of the boys in our cabin um, come together to really love on him, especially whenever I had to step away and leave. Um, that they were just so, the one thing that he, he wanted more than anything, he told me the day he got there was he was growing out his hair so he could do a man bun. Um, <laughs> And he just so happened to end up in the cabin where every single boy in the cabin but Jordan had a man bun. So they taught him how to do it. And it was like his favorite thing in the world just to see these guys love on him. And it's amazing. The next picture has a you couple more. You me to do a man bun? You know? Maybe? I don't know. Probably not. But uh, that's me and our other female missionary that was in that cabin and our campers, and these kids just had a blast. And it was amazing, not only to watch the missionaries love on them, but to watch them love on each other and help each other out. Um, and they were just such sweethearts. And the really, the thing that Jordan and I just talked about so much was just that God, we had prepared for something, and we didn't use almost anything that we prepared for, but somehow God still was able to use us and to let us be prepared in some way to, to get through the craziness um, that we went through. So it was just really awesome to be able to serve with Jordan and just um, spend that time in the same cabin and really just watch God 
um, work in these kids' lives, and the, I, he just has amazing things planned for them, and yeah, it was really exciting, and thank you guys for your prayers. Your notes were so nice, um, so from both Jordan and I, thank you guys so much for all of your support. Amen. Thanks, Ken. So we're talking about missions. Um, you've heard a couple examples here. Let me just give you a working definition. When we're talking about Christians doing missions work, here's what I mean. Whenever you go outside of your natural sphere of influence to touch lives for the glory of God, you're doing missions work, okay? It could be across an ocean. It could be across the street. It could be a phone call. But anything that is outside of your natural sphere of influence, right? So let's just say that, um, you, you know, you're a retiree and there's a... Um, you know, at-risk children's home in your area, and you go and volunteer reading to those kids. That is outside of your natural sphere of influence. You go, you're ministering to them in Jesus' name. That's missions work. You're a missionary. Now, if you're a grandma and you're reading to your grandkids, that's not missions work, right? That's what grandmas do. That's your natural sphere of influence. But anytime you go outside your natural sphere of influence, you're doing missions work. So don't think that missionaries are just people with all this training and all this experience who go live in a foreign land for a long period of time. Jordan and Kim had just minimal training. They just went and said, okay, Lord, what are you going to do? But they were way outside their natural sphere of influence, and God was using them. The same with Ed and Vicky when they were at uh, Johnny and Friends camp, and the same with those who go next year to Johnny and Friends camp. It will be the same kind of thing. Um, so speaking of that, um, was there... Uh, I had you, I already asked about all the people that were here for VBS, right? Did any of you feel like you were a little outside of your element at VBS? Was that a little stretching for anybody? Did that, was that outside your natural sphere of influence? What we do as a church when we put on VBS is we say, listen, there's a bunch of people in our community that we're not connecting with somehow, that, that we don't know these people, but they're here and we want to get to know them and we want to serve them and we want to minister to them in Jesus' name. So... We put out banners, and we let people know we're going to have VBS, and we started inviting. There were people um, from our church who were standing outside the local grocery store just handing out cards to parents and saying, hey, we're having a VBS coming. You would be amazed how many people came because somebody handed them one of those cards. It was incredible. Uh, we had people that just drove by, and in driving by, they saw it, said something's going on. They pulled in and said, what is this? We said, it's VBS. They said, what's that? We said, well, you know, we're just doing this thing for the kids. They said, well, can my kid come? We said, no, your kid, no, of course not. We said, <laughs> we said, yes, of course. And those kids heard about Jesus for the first time in their lives. It was incredible. People going outside their sphere of influence. So we're just coming off this amazing week of VBS. And I wanted to give you a chance to A, hear about a little bit of what happened, but B, see a little bit of what happened. So watch the screen and we'll show you some pictures from this week's VBS.
just to, just to illustrate what we're talking about, people just taking their talents and their skills and saying, yes, I'm going to just serve Jesus in this way. Here's what I can tell you. That video you just watched did not exist two hours ago. I just told these guys, hey, we need pictures. They're like, all right, cool. That's what they gave us. That's people using their gifts for the glory of God, whatever it takes. Um, so we had uh, co-directors of our VBS this year. It was uh, Kelly Marley and Christy Spriggs. And so I asked Kelly if she would come and share with us a little bit, just to give you guys some clue about what happened with VBS and, and how it's uh, already changing the world. First of all, on behalf of Christy and myself, I want to say thank you. Yep, it is. Thank you to all of the volunteers, um, the prayer support, the setup, the prep days, the cleanup, the day-to-day -day programming. Um, none of this could have happened without all of our work together, and so I'm so grateful. I can't say it enough how grateful we are for you. Um, this week, we gave the kids and all of the volunteers this bracelet as a reminder and to kind of train them to be looking for sightings of God, to see God's work in action in their lives and in the world. And then they'd come back and at the opening, they would share these God sightings with everybody. And for about every five God sightings, we would light one of those little candles that you saw on this, uh, the stage. Um, and by the end of the week, the stage was filled with candles. And that light was representing literally hundreds of God sightings in just a short week of us being together. It reminds us that God is always at work if we'll just look for him. So yesterday, Pastor Doug called me and he said, Kelly, would you share some of your God sightings from VBS with the church on Sunday? Um, especially in the area of answered prayer. And so I grabbed um, Christy's handy-dandy VBS prayer walk paper that she gave us last week. And I took out my uh, highlighter and I was going to check off the ones that God had answered so that I could share them with you. And if you can't tell... Um, they're all checked. <laughs> so I'm not going to tell you all of them. I'll just do a few. Um, first, we were praying that the community would see our banners and they would register their kids. Uh, not only did every child in our current Kids Connection ministry uh, attend the week, but they were the minority of the 42 kids that we had registered. So most of the kids who came were from the community. Some of them were unchurched. So that's a huge praise. Amen. We were praying for safety for all of the kids and for good weather. Uh, we only had a couple of scrapes, and if you went outside at all this last week, you know that the weather was beautiful. It was a good 10 to 15 degrees cooler than weeks previous, so God really answered that prayer. We were praying in the imagination station that all the little gizmos would work so that the lesson would you know, make sense. And we had a few really close calls where they didn't seem to work, but we got them to work. Um, and the kids got the lesson, and they loved that station. We were praying for the kids' connection room that the air conditioning would work and that the nursery kids next door wouldn't be a distraction to the Bible stories and that when the gospel message was presented that kids' hearts would be ready to accept Jesus. And the room was an icebox, um, which was fantastic. Um, the nursery kids' noise was happy and not a distraction. And when the message was given, we had seven kids pray to receive Christ. Which is awesome. So these are just a handful, a tiny handful of the prayers that were answered this week, the God sightings that we saw. If you ask any of the volunteers, they have amazing stories of what they saw God doing. I know because I've heard them and I cried over them already. So you should ask and hear them yourself. 
because each God sighting builds our faith so that we can join together and share how we see God being who he says he is and doing what he says he'll do. So to God be the glory, great things he has done. Amen. Christy? Um, it was all God. So Kelly and I had the privilege of working and organizing and stuff, but we know that it was all God, and we just want to give him the glory for that. Um, and we just, you know, when the God sighting things were, what did we see God doing? And, you know, Doug and I are very proud to be a part of this church and the people that are in it because the fact that we pulled off VBS is because of all of us. I mean, God used us. It's God that did it, but he, we became open to say, God, how do you want to use us? And I just, you know, we are very thankful um, to be a part of a body that will say, yes, I will be used. And, you know, to come every day that we did and you'd say, hey, I need you to do this. And people don't look at you and roll their eyes. They say, sure, I'm there. And you just think, oh, that's a God thing. Because most of us, I don't want to do those things. Or why are you asking me to do that? And so Kelly and I just really want to emphasize, we are just so blessed and thankful for each one of you. Um, God did amazing things. Um, I'm always blessed to be a part of VBS because I think the one thing it does for a church, it brings adults, youth, kids all together. And I just think that's such an awesome thing that you can't experience a lot of times in different parts of the church. But it is a ministry, I think, all week. We just enjoyed being together. We were all tired, yes, but it's a good tired. It was a tired that you saw God at work. And it was only God that could get us through this, this week. And so it's just, I can't praise God enough for all the things he did. And thank you for the prayers. Many of you have already texted us and asked us, are we doing it next year? And I'm like, pray. Is that God's best? <laughs> so we're never just going to assume God wants us to do it. It took us 10 years to redo it. So I, you know, we're open, but we want it to be of God. So please just, you know, pray. If this is what God wants to do, that he'll really press that upon um, hearts, that, that we need to do that. And um, it just was a great privilege. And I just, um, and I, this might sound weird because obviously he's my husband, but I want you to know, I've talked to a lot of people in that. To have the leadership um, just support us the way that Doug and Ricky and the elders do is a blessing beyond what you can imagine. Not every church gets that. You know, sometimes they'll say, sure, do your VBS, and everybody leaves it to the children's ministry, and they just do it. We, you know, if you were there, you saw Doug be crazy and funny because he was Clark during the, the skits and that. What? <laughs> Sorry, did I? Just Spoiler away. alert. Spoiler alert. Wow. I know you guys are tired, but really. <laughs> um, anyways, I just, you know, we are blessed. And I just, you know, um, Ricky and Doug did an amazing job, and so did everybody. But we are blessed that we have the leadership of this church go full force with us on these things. So I just want to praise God for that. Amen. Thanks. Amen. Okay. Don't, Christy, stay here. Don't go sit down. Um, I need some volunteers, okay? So... Basically, I need the people in this front row and this second row. You guys, come up. We're not going to embarrass you. It's going to be fine. Trust me. Okay? And we're, gonna, we're just going to illustrate something for these guys. Okay? So I need some of you down here in front and others up here on the stage. So you guys go down there in front. Okay? Let me, let me kind of show you what I'm talking about here. We've been talking this week about what it takes to actually carry out the work that God is doing in lives. And what it takes is a whole church. And we've said it a thousand times, listen, 
we need you to write those notes. We need you to pray. We need you to write checks. We need you to volunteer. There are only a few people that go out into these faraway places to do this missions work. The rest of us are here being the support system for all of that. And it takes every one of us, and I say this all the time, but I think that sometimes you go, yeah, yeah, that's just what you're supposed to say. So let me illustrate this. What I'm, I'm going to just stand between you guys. Why don't you step right there, Cole? Um, I want everybody to just join hands, okay, with somebody. Um, and, and this is the deal. Everybody joins hands like this. And uh, if there's not everybody joining hands, like Cole being all rebellious over here, if everybody doesn't join hands, it doesn't work. But look what happens when everybody joins hands. Okay, now somebody, somebody let go of somebody's hand. Okay, let go. You see what happens? If just one, you guys go sit down. Thank you. See, I told you it wouldn't be so bad. You have to complete the circuit. If just one person goes, you know what, I'll let everybody else do that. It, it doesn't happen. So the, 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 the reports that we've been hearing, let's be very clear. Number one, all praise, all glory, all honor goes to God. Amen. He's the one that changes lives. He's the one that touched lives in Missouri. He's the one that touched lives out in the Inland Empire. He's the one that touched lives in Africa. He's the one that touched lives here at this church campus last week. He's the one that has touched our lives to even make it possible for us to cooperate with him. All the glory and honor and praise goes to God. That being said, it is an amazing thing to be a part of a church where uh, we had 42 kids at VBS every day, 42 kids here, and every day, 45 volunteers. So, so let me tell you what I'm saying. I'm telling you that a whole bunch of people in this church took a week's vacation from work and came and worked harder at VBS than they would have worked at work. <laughs> and, and it was an amazing thing to watch that happen. That's just the people who were here every day. That's not including the people who came and built sets and the people who came and did the prayer walk and the people who wrote checks to help support kids who couldn't afford to be here and the people that were at home praying and all of that kind of stuff. It takes a whole church working together, available to God, for God to do what he wants to do, to love people and change the world through us. And I am just so impressed with who God is, and I am so impressed with who you guys are. God is doing amazing things, and it is a privilege for us to be a part of this, just completing the circuit and watching God do what he does. Let's stand together and we'll pray. Father, we just want to thank you. I just want to thank you so much for the way you have shown yourself strong again and again. That, Father, wherever we go, you go with us, and you give us the privilege of inviting us to go with you. I thank you, Father, that in Missouri, lives were changed. I thank you that out in the Inland Empire in Murrieta at the Johnny and Friends camp, lives were changed. I thank you that throughout Africa and Europe this summer, lives were changed because people from Grace Fellowship were there. I thank you, Father, for the many, many students and their families who were touched this week, who got a glimpse of what it is to be loved by Jesus because of the people that are in this room. Thank you, God, that you're not finished. Thank you that we get to be a part of your greater commission and that you're about the business of changing the world. We're honored to be your children, Lord. Help us to stay a part of what you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.